0: This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, September 29th, 2023.
1: I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, welcoming October. An event in downtown, which is something, um, as we've seen Roots Festival go away mm-hmm. and our um, New Year's Eve event go away and Block Party go away.
0: After years without a fall festival, the city of Fayetteville debuts Falltoberfest. Plus, the value of reading to children.
2: Fosters bonding between parents and their children, you know, through that shared reading experience and, you know, creates cherished memories.
0: Benville Public Library starts its 1,000 books before kindergarten campaign tomorrow morning. And David Moody discusses the value of songwriting.
3: I really love being able to take something that I'm feeling inside, something that is happening in my life, and put it into this beautiful little format that I get to sing to my family and have my kids know the words and sing along with me in the car.
0: First The Hour's news from NPR.
4: Main Street Eureka Springs is hosting Open Studios October 14th and 15th throughout Eureka Springs, supporting artists and makers, and Oz, Inc., the Northwest Arkansas Artist and Maker Incubator. MainStreetEurekaSprings.org slash Open-Studios. The Hillberry Harvest Moon Music and Camping Festival is October 4th through the 8th at the farm in Eureka Springs, and KUAF is giving you the chance to win tickets. Hillberry welcomes elephant revival, leftover salmon, kitchen dwellers, and more. Registration at KUAF.com.
0: Good afternoon. This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, September 29th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kelms. Thanks so much for being with us, and thanks to everyone who has contributed During KUAF's annual autumn on air fundraiser, the past four and a half days. We're in the final hours. It ends tonight at seven, right before the evening edition of Ozarks at Large. If you haven't contributed yet, let me encourage you to do so right now. You can do that at supportkuaf.com. And we have one more Ozarks at Large centric challenge. It's again from David and Deborah Malone of Fayetteville, great friends of KUAF and Ozarks at Large. Today, it's a $200 challenge. If we can, combined, all of us, raise at least $200, David and Deborah Malone will add with $200 of their own. You can make a contribution right now at supportkuaf.com. The KUAF we all value and care so much about requires continued community commitment to make sure it's always going to be able to live up to the kind of service our community needs, especially now as we're planning ahead for the demands of a crucial year of coverage ahead. 2024, I doubt you've forgotten, is an election year. The strength of our community depends on broad access to accurate, trusted, and thorough reporting for all. That's why your contribution, your financial support to KUAF this afternoon is vitally important. You can make your contribution right now at support. KUAF dot com in the amount that you choose, and all the contributions that help us add up to two hundred dollars during this noon edition of Ozarks at Large, then matched. If we can get to two hundred dollars, matched by David and Deborah Malone of Fayetteville. Thanks everyone for keeping your public radio station strong and independent. This is Ozarks at Large for. Friday, September 29th, 2023. October's knocking on the door. With me, not at the door, but on the phone is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. We're going to review some of the week's news. Welcome back, Michael.
5: Well, hey, thanks for having me back. And uh, it's kind of good. I know we got a government shutdown coming, but um, I'm just, Stephen Colbert's coming back. The rider strike's over. So right. there's a little bit of humor back in my world. So I know some folks may not like him, but I'm a big fan. So anyway.
0: Well, it was it's funny you mentioned the word the the phrase shutdown because it was a few decades ago when some people feared Fort Chaffee would be shut down forever, and it's the farthest thing from that.
5: Yeah, it and this is how old uh I am. I was um working for the Fort Smith Chamber of Commerce at the time when when that uh, base realignment closure closure commission was meeting and Um, came down with the decision to close the base. And so um, that was in the mid-90s. There was a pretty big pucker factor in the region because, you know, again, we thought it was all going to go away, this large base. And with all that's happened on the trust property, you know, the College of Health Education, all the housing, um, the new York best headquarters, I I think sometimes we – in the region, lose fact, lose, lose um, awareness of how big this military asset is that just sits right nearby. But I think we just got news this week that could be a reminder that Fort Chaffee has been upgraded to a level one uh, training facility. Now, I never knew until this press release came down. There are different levels, but apparently there is. And this is a big deal. They're uh, in the National Guard system, of which there are over 150 bases in the country, there are only one. Uh, They're only five that have this level, this level one ranking, and Fort Chaffee is one of them. So um, it's obviously a big deal for training. It pulls these folks in. I've been told, and in fact, I hope they follow through. I visited with um, a public relations officer this week asking if they conducted the uh, economic impact of at Chaffee recently. They said they haven't, but they are considering one for the near future. Because one of the things I've heard from restaurant owners, hotel workers, is that they get a lot of military personnel coming into your training for two weeks at a time, one month at a time, and that type of thing. So it it does have an economic impact, and we were also told that because of the uh, ranges, there's about 1,000 acres that are used um, designated as the razorback range used for, um, air jets to practice bombing and strafing runs. And we were told that that had a big impact on the recent decision to bring the foreign pilot training center to Evian air national guard base, which is there in Fort Smith. So good, you know, good news. Um, and you know, again, a 65,000 acre piece of property. Uh, and one of the things I learned also in the press release is that Chaffee, um, is the only uh designated training site in the International Guard in the Army National Guard system that has a navigable uh navigable waterway oh uh, to, on which they can conduct river crossing and they can control it because the Lock and Dam is just uh north as the river flows, or I guess west as the river flows from the training site. So they can control the flow of water uh to you know to simulate different training needs. So uh, I knew that, but it's it's just, you know, it's a good reminder and that the base can also house right now 5,000 troops at one time. That's that's quite that's, a lot of folks. It so. is quite a lot of folks. Yeah. So anyway, good news for the region, good news for Chaffee. It helps kind of ensure ideally, hopefully, uh, the longevity of that uh, facility there.
0: Well, a facility that doesn't have nearly the age, the Peak Innovation Center, um that 's owned by the Fort Smith School District. There have been flooding problems that you and I have talked about for some time. Finally, it appears there 's going to be an independent investigator into those flooding problems. What more can you tell us
5: yes sir and and that's that was a bit of good news because they had submitted um requests for proposals. I think we 've talked about this before the the they didn't they received no responses um This is a very unique uh, Workforce Education Center operated by the Fort Smith Public School District. Um, It's very important to the region, although it's operated by the Fort Smith District. A lot of schools use it. Students run schools use it. Um, Pretty advanced training in terms of workforce education. But it's had some serious flooding problems, continues to have serious flooding problems. And so they were seeking um, a firm to come look and see why the problems were and kind of find fault also. And so no one initially applied, but they again this is a pleasant surprise. I was concerned that the school board would just kind of take the easy way out and give up. So well nobody applied. So but they persisted and they've hired a firm. And so um that will uh, they will begin in Vista. It's an Illinois based group in VISTA forensics. Um we've been told the uh the expense will cap at about fifty thousand, but um, and, and ideally they want kind of, uh, once they get started, then they'll have findings in 90 days. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, our own reporting clearly shows that, um, the district failed to obtain necessary and usual hydrology related engineering. We've had one firm say, look, we don't want to work with you guys anymore, uh, which is somewhat alarming. And our reporting also shows where are Several times, uh, these firms working on the project raised objections about, you know, proceeding without some of these studies. Uh, but they were dismissed by school officials or of the firm hired by the district to manage the work. So we will be watching um, with great interest on, on how on the results of this investigation. Finally,
0: Fort Smith sales tax revenues continued to go upward Uh Compared to last year, what was it, up 4.5% in the last month report compared to the same time last well, year?
5: Well, um, for well, yeah, for the month, for the full year, though, it's, it continues to be uh, impressive. And I still would love for an economist to drill down to see how inflation impacts this. But um, the 1% sales tax, the Fort Smith share of the Sebastian County 1% sales tax, um, through the August report, has generated $16.5 million. That's up up 6.3% compared to last year. I may sound like a broken record because I think I say this every time, but that's six point, up 6.3% against what was a record last year. So it's a healthy increase over what was a healthy increase. Uh, the city's 1% sales tax, street tax, uh, was just a little over $20 million. That's up 5.4% through the August report. So uh, good numbers for the city. It shows, um, I continue to show um, good consumer spending, consumer confidence. Again, I'd like to see how inflation um, has had an impact on that. But um, city officials um, are still budgeting very conservatively, and they are not trying to spend the money, but because, uh, again, their costs have gone up also, but still a good report for the city overall.
0: And finally, at nfl tight end, Travis Kelsey is um, perhaps in a relationship with someone named Taylor Swift. This should help up her profile.
5: Yeah, I I, I know uh, sometimes when when stars like Taylor Swift are struggling to be known, yeah. they have to hook up with the football. So um, good for her. Maybe she'll finally kind of have a breakout <laughs> moment.
0: You can read about all of this except Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't think that's at TalkBusiness.net, but everything else we talked about and so much more is at TalkBusiness.net. Michael Tilley, thank you for your
4: time.
5: You're welcome, sir. Disagreements
4: among House Republicans have pushed the government to the brink of a shutdown. Could the Senate save the day? We'll have the latest. Student loan payments are set to restart. Why? And what it means to those who owe. All that and a Jeopardy champ, a World War II vet, and much more Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition with Scott Simon
0: tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on 91.3 KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. Happy Friday afternoon. Almost to the end of September. I'm Kyle Kellums. And this is almost the end of our annual on-air fall fundraiser. We will close up. The fundraiser tonight at 7, just before the evening edition of Ozarks at Large. I bet you're busy. I know, I know we are at KUAF. We stay that way. Uh, the pace of life can be overwhelming. There's, of course, work, there's family, uh, the returning social life, right? It's different than it was a couple of years ago. Just trying to get through the day. Just trying to get home or get to lunch right now, perhaps. KUIF is here when you need us. Maybe it was this morning when you were running or you were waiting in the school line to drop off your children. During that time, you'll learn about what's happening in the world and in our community, and we make it convenient for you. It might be this program, Ozarks at Large, or our podcast version. Or it might just be catching up on national and local headlines with NPR. We're here to get you the information you need to know now while you're doing everything you have to do right now. KUAF is able to keep you up to date through your car radio, through your phone, through your smart speaker, through your computer because of listener support. Adding all these features, which are necessary for you to stay in touch with us, cost us money. We're able to do all those upgrades and plan for more because listeners like you have supported us through the past several years. We want you to get your news without having to stop your busy schedule. But we can't do that without your help. You can help us right now at supportkuaf.com. It keeps the news flowing no matter how you're getting the news. And David and Deborah Malone one more time today have made an Ozarks at Large challenge, this one for $200. If we all work together and raise $200 during this noon edition of Ozarks at Large, David and Deborah Malone are going to match it. We hit their challenges they offered on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Let's keep that momentum rolling. And let's raise together $200 to make this final challenge. You determine the amount. You determine the method. Much like how you receive KUAF's programming, you make that choice, whether it's phone, speaker, computer, or old-fashioned radio. We also let you decide how you make your contribution and how much at supportkuaf.com. And from all of us who also are busy at KUAF, thank you very much.
6: In the background is Austrian guitarist Wolfgang Muthspiel, and I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades
5: of Jazz. On this week's edition of Shades of Jazz, we'll hear more from Wolfgang, as well as music from Ernesto Cervini, Ruslan Sirota, Emmanuel Wilkins, and
6: much more. Tune in to Shades of Jazz right here on KUAF every Friday and Saturday.
0: Shades of Jazz with Robert Ginsberg tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF, tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m., on KUAF3, available by asking your smart speaker to play KUAF3 or by streaming at KUAF.com or by tuning in on your HD radio. Arkansas State Senator Jimmy Hickey of Texarkana is asking for an audit of the purchase of a lectern by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The purchase was made on June 12th for a custom lectern and travel case that cost more than $19,000. Ozarks at large recently sent a FOIA request to the state asking for photo documentation of the lectern, as well as any packing or shipping slips from the item. No records could be produced. Senator Hickey sent his request to leaders of the Legislative Joint Audit Committee, as well as the Legislative Auditor. His letter outlines two audit requests, the purchase of a podium or lectern from Beckett-Evans, LLC, for the use of the governor's office and all matters involving the governor or the governor's office, specifically made confidential by the amended Freedom of Information Act that retroactively exempts records dating back to June 1st, 2022. Senator Hickey plans to present his request to fellow legislators at a legislative joint auditing subcommittee October 12th. Although no vote is required by legislators to move forward in the process, Senators Brian King of Green Forest and Greg Letting of Fayetteville and Clark Tucker of Little Rock all told Ozarks at Large they support the audit. Senator King says, as a former audit chair, he generally supports any member's request for looking into how taxpayers' money is spent. The governor's spokesperson also commented, saying the governor welcomes the audit and encourages legislators to complete it without delay. Arkansas's new professional soccer club is getting closer to choosing a team name. Officials with USL Arkansas are asking for public input to decide on what the professional men's and women's teams will be called once they hit the pitch in a couple of years. Chris Martinovic, the club's co-founder, posted a video to Facebook this week asking supporters for their help.
4: i uh, really excited to be standing here on the future side of the stadium. Uh, can't wait to have you guys here and, and making noise and cheering the team on. We really need your input at this point. If you voted, we're going to ask you to go in again and really fine-tune the details that you want to see in this team or specifically getting down to the branding naming and color and crests of the team. This is the fun part.
0: USL Arkansas hosted listening sessions throughout the summer with community members across the region and continues to ask people to fill out an online survey now through the end of October with their first choice for a team name. The teams, which will be part of the Professional United Soccer League Championship, will play at a 5,000-seat stadium set to be built on 11 acres on the corner of Bellevue Road and 41st in Rogers. You can find a link to the survey on our website ozarksatlarge.com. A federal appeals court is expected to rule in the coming days on a challenge to an Arkansas law regarding discounts for prescription drugs. Act 1103, passed by lawmakers in 2021, requires drug makers to comply with a federal program ensuring discounts for community health centers. Seth Blomley is communications and policy director for Community Health Centers of Arkansas. He says pharmaceutical companies have sought to undermine the law since its inception.
5: The pharmaceutical manufacturers have over the last few years, they've enacted a number of unilateral restrictions on the program and have uh, really caused uh, issues for hospitals and community health centers.
0: Drug makers argue Arkansas law is preempted by the federal program known as 340B, which was passed by Congress roughly 30 years ago. Blomley says the courts have already found that's not the case.
5: It's not conflicting with anything that the federal 340B statute sets out. Matter of fact, the 340B statute doesn't even talk about um, these uh, contractual uh, pharmacy arrangements. The U.S. District court uh, agree with that. And so pharma has has a high burden to prove otherwise before the appeals court.
0: A federal judge upheld the Arkansas law late last year. The Eighth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals heard oral arguments in the case last week. The Razorbacks' soccer win streak is up to five after last night's 1-0 win at Missouri. The victory also keeps the Razorbacks undefeated in SEC play at 4-0. It's the third time in program history the team has started 4-0 in the SEC. The number 7 in the country Razorbacks will next host Georgia Thursday night in Fayetteville. And Arkansas's cross-country teams are home this afternoon for the annual Chili Pepper Festival. The women, ranked 20th in the country, race at Agri Park in Fayetteville at 4.30. And the men, number 22 in the country, will race on the same course at 5 today. Friday afternoon, this is Ozarks at Large, I'm Kyle Kellums. Benville Public Library is understandably interested in introducing young children to the world of books. Tomorrow, the library will host a kickoff for their 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten program. Samantha Sacry, marketing specialist for the Benville Public Library, says it begins tomorrow at 10.
2: We're going to have a very special story time where Pete the Cat and... Um, Some other fun characters will be there to read to the children and then we'll have some other activities that they'll be able to do around the children's area that's going to help with just picking out books and sounding out words and all kinds of fun things. Uh, And there, all of the families or caregivers of these children can sign up their kids for 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten, and when you sign up, you'll get a uh, reading logs in your very own folder, and it'll also have a sheet in there that has a bunch of FAQs that you might have any information about our program. Um, and a reading log for the first 100 books. So after every 100 books that the child completes, um, they will get a little brag tag that they can come back to the library, get a new reading log, and they'll get these little tags that they says, you know, like, I read 100 books, I read 200 books, I read 300 books, (laughs) and they'll be able to collect those all the way up into 1,000 books.
0: And what's great about A Thousand Books Before Kindergarten it, is that, you know, it's a team effort.
2: Yes, definitely. You know, it fosters bonding between parents and their children, you know, through that shared reading experience and, you know, creates cherished memories and nurturing strong parent-child relationship or a caregiver-child relationship. So it, it is a really special initiative.
0: All right. So if I... if If my goal is to read with my child or read to my child a thousand books before kindergarten, how how doable is that?
2: It's very doable if you only had, say, um, you're starting off and your little one is four and a half or five years old, and they're going to start around five and a half or six. You'd have to read three books a day in an entire year in order to get there. Otherwise, it'll take you about three years if you read one book a day. And so that's when, when, and when we're talking about the books that you can read, you know, I mean, that it's, it's, you know, uh, nursery rhymes, e books, picture books, story books, you know, um, if you were to come to the library and listen to a story time, those count as well. So um, we want to make sure that it's really accessible and easy for people to do.
0: <laughs> so for, more than thirty years, my mother was a kindergarten and first grade teacher, and she loved books and she loved reading books to me. I think her patience was sometimes tested because I wanted Go Dog Go to be every other book that we read mm-hmm. together. Um, and I will still argue on behalf of Go Dog Go, I think it's a fantastic book. But if mm-hmm. I wanted <laughs> if I wanted Go Dog Go 30 times in a year, does that count each of those 30 times?
2: You know, it sure does. It absolutely does count each time that you read that book. Um, uh, the thing about this program is you don't have to write down all of the titles and author or anything. You just have to check off that you read a book. And so if you want to read Go Dog do, Go Dog Go, <laughs> uh, you know, 100 times, 30 times, that's great.
0: I know September is a very busy time for a lot of people. So even if you can't be there for the kickoff Saturday morning, that doesn't mean you you're ineligible to participate.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. You can sign up any time that the library is open. You just come on in and go into the children's department, and they'll be able to get you all signed up um, at any time during the year. Yeah, this is an ongoing initiative, and we hope that it um, is successful and we're able to keep it going and going, you know, forever and ever.
0: Samantha Sackrey is marketing specialist at the Bentonville Public Library. The kickoff for the 1,000 books before kindergarten campaign tomorrow morning at 10. Then Sunday from noon to 6, the city of Fayetteville will host its inaugural Falltoberfest, Centered mostly on a section of Dixon Street, the festival includes music, food, and autumnal shenanigans. Hannah Withers, a co-owner of Maxine's Tap Room, is one of the organizers of the event. She says it's a different kind of October festival than
1: what we usually think of as an Oktoberfest. I don't think it's a traditional Oktoberfest. I I'm not sure that we authentically have that culture here as as much as we want it to be and so we threw in all the things that are great about this season which means haunted houses and pumpkin patches and live music outside on patios and pretty much anything that you can think of that's Fayetteville fall. So let's 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 take those in the order you brought them up. You said haunted houses first. Yes, Banshee Manor is popping up a mobile family-friendly haunted house in Little Guy's moving truck. They're bringing a 36-foot truck down to near Georgia's to pop up a haunted house. Um, They also do mobile escape rooms and all kinds of cool stuff. And um, NWA Strong Group is doing a pumpkin patch where they are selling pumpkins near where we're doing pumpkin races. I haven't figured out all the rules yet.
3: (laughs) We, we have a track, I
1: but I think I, we, have some, we have some big oversized tricycles and we have a bunch of pumpkins. And so I think we're going to let you race them with anything that's not your hands. You can use your feet or your nose or anything you like or put them on a bike or okay. Well, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how it's going to okay. work yet, but I'm, I'm <laughs> figuring it out. I like that. Um, and then you know we've got music, and uh, we've got three outdoor stages. Georges is bringing their game. Um, we have the return of the Mister Oktoberfest pageant, which is six years running now, and it will be on Kingfish Patio. We have judges, and we have men that do a lip syncing and maybe belching and wet T-shirt contest on their on their patio. And uh, we've got another stage in front of the old Thirty Six Club on Dixon Street. And we will be debuting our first Dogtoberfest, of which there are almost 40 entries already. Now, what is Dogtoberfest? It's just a little pageant for best dog, maybe most talented. There are lots of different categories, and Hound's Lounge is sponsoring and organizing a little, a, a little dog pageant. Who doesn't love a dog in Fayetteville? Uh, well, right. <laughs> um, so, so what does your dog have to do? Anything? I think anything you want it to be. Okay. I think I think it can be the cutest or the biggest or um, the most talented. I, I think they are dogs that do tricks, and I. Every time I've mentioned this to anybody in passing, people have stopped and shown me pictures of their dog on their phone and said, there's no way I'm entering because I will win. And it'll just put every other dog to shame in Fayetteville. So I I, I can understand. I love the dog competition. I mean, it's great. It's going to be fun. This is our first event since we have put in the outdoor refreshment ordinance. And so we don't have to put people in cages to listen to music anymore. And you can walk into bars and pick up a Bloody Mary or you can – Buy a beer from the brewers on the street and wander in our downtown. And we have got also got a spirit free sipping station that the Fayetteville Downtown Coalition nice. has putting together. So I think that's something that we've seen a lot of out of COVID, particularly in my bar industry, is we've seen a lot of NA drinkers, which mm-hmm. is which is great. When did you start planning this? Uh, well, Kelly Rich, who is the new executive director of the downtown. Uh, Fayetteville coalition. Uh, we've sort of been working on this since spring. I think she, um, I think she's been here almost a year. She started in January of this year, and I think she uh, wanted to get her footings and then sort of um, debut with an, an event in downtown, which is something um, as we've seen Roots Festival go away mm-hmm. and our. Um, New Year's Eve event go away and block party go away.
0: We used to have Autumn Fest years ago.
1: Yeah, Spring Fest too. I'm yeah. not sure that one's coming back. And so I think, um, I think this is a really key part of the of the function of a downtown association is to bring foot traffic into our businesses. And so I think uh, this is her first go round. She's learning a lot.
0: Six hours, noon to six. Yep, we've yep. got
1: an after party with Isaiah's All-Stars at, uh, at Georgia's, And, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We wanted to start small and short and, and, and make sure that we had room for another event in October. And we'll see how it goes. Hannah Withers, one of the organizing forces
0: behind Sunday's inaugural Falltoberfest, taking place in downtown Fayetteville. It's from noon to 6, Sunday, on Dixon Street. And this is Ozarks at Large.
4: Support comes from Carmelita's Modern Mexican Cuisine at 7022 West Sunset Avenue, Suite 5 in Springdale. Serving authentic Northern Mexican and Southern California lunch from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Modern Mexican dinner 5 to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday. More at CarmelitasNWA.com. Main Street Eureka Springs is hosting open studios October 14th and 15th throughout Eureka Springs, supporting artists and makers. And Oz Inc., the Northwest Arkansas artist and maker incubator. Main Street, org slash open-studios. You
0: know, KUAF and Ozarks at large continue to do what public media has done for decades, that's bring people together to help make sense of the world, whether that's across the world or just in our neighborhood. It's the commitment that's always guided our work and which remains central to our mission as a public radio station. And the one factor more than any other that enables KUAF to be a constant in our community that allows Ozarks at large to be a constant in our community? The grassroots support of listeners. Contributions from our listeners make up the largest and most reliable source of our funding. And that's why on this Friday afternoon, I'm asking for your contribution to Public Radio, KUAF, and Ozarks at large. Asking you to make it an ongoing monthly contribution if you're able. It's the best thing you can do to give KUAF a solid future. You can start your sustaining membership today so we can continue to be available for the entire community. Give five, ten, twenty dollars a month. We leave the amount up to you. It does so much. You can give right now in the amount you choose. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, you can do that as well at supportkuaf.com. And during this afternoon edition of Ozarks at Large, David and Deborah Malone have issued a $200 challenge, meaning if we all work together and collectively raise $200, they will match it. Your contribution matters. You'll be joining thousands of other listeners just like you. You can make that contribution at supportkuaf.com.
7: Dozens of Arkansas musicians entered the 2023 NPR Tiny Desk Contest, a nationwide search for unsigned talent. Arkansas's three NPR member stations collaborated on a series of conversations with the artists who entered this year's contest. Here's KUAF's Sophia Nirani.
3: My name is Daniel, Daniel Moody. I started writing when I was a kid. My brother's a Grammy Award-winning songwriter. I grew up thinking it was possible to be a rock star on stage, so I just went for it full force. I... Uh, I tried on all kinds of music. I was in a piano rock band when I was in high school. Um, I, I did uh, custom music licensing when I was in LA, and started writing for other artists and producing. And eventually, uh, gave up the whole pursuit of trying to make money doing it. And that's when I really started writing music I like. Well, I'm deeply influenced by a lot of artists: mm-hmm. Van Morrison, Bob Dylan, Ray LaMontagne, Fiona Apple, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of great. Uh, I could rattle on that list. Right. Uh, as of late, me and my family have been jamming out in the car to uh, Heart and Creedence Clearwater Revival a lot. You know, just that great classic rock.
7: What prompted you to want to submit to The Tiny Dust this year, and why'd you choose this song specifically?
3: Yeah, I, I've had, like many artists, probably a very strong resistance to submitting to any kind of competition because that's, that's a comparison, you know, mm-hmm. uh, comparison is the, the thief of joy. And, um, once I've gotten past that kind of silly obstacle, I've seen it as an opportunity to just get the music out, which is really what the music wants. Mm-hmm. Once it's become less about me and less about making money, it's more just let the art have its day, have its time in the air. Uh, so I've I've gotten into the mindset of just submitting to whatever I can wherever I can and that's that's won me a couple of competitions gotten me a uh, few free trips and and things mm-hmm. like that that are I won't you know uh, shake my finger at happy right. to take the family out to the coast if I can I particularly chose this song and that was a hard thing you know to choose which song you want to play I have hundreds of songs in my arsenal I'm writing a new one every every day
1: mm-hmm. so
3: the picking of this song. Probably had to do with a certain level of um, relatability. You know, it's a song that I wrote about my wife, about me and my wife. And uh, at the end of the day, it's really just a coin toss. Uh, I chose this one. um, It spoke to me that day. I said, "All right, fine. I got to pick one. Here we go." Yeah. Um, Yeah. And this song, this song um, is an interesting song because there is a lot of frustration in it. A feeling of uh, well, the song's called Hard Love, and love is really hard when you try to make it last across time. Mm-hmm. And you get past the initial falling in love, everything's really easy. Uh, and then if you can get past the hard part, then you find many other hard parts. But each one of those seems to come with like this pocket of uh, deep, deeper love, uh, a sort of like just a magnificent losing of myself and my expectations and just a simplification of just like oh I'm glad I lost that expectation because I'm getting to see this person and what I used to find to be frustrating is actually a really great benefit to me
7: so what do you find most satisfying about being a musician and songwriter
3: I really love being able to take something that I'm feeling inside, something that is happening in my life and put it into this beautiful little format that I get to sing to my family and have my kids know the words and sing along with me in the car. I think I've never felt more satiated than when my family is choosing, say, Dad, will you put on your album? And then they're singing all the words. That's by far the most glowing uh, review I've ever gotten.
7: I'm sure that's a great feeling. That's, is. that's very nice. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned that you were in, in L.A. for a while. Mm-hmm. Are you are you native to Arkansas?
3: I am. Born and raised in Little Rock, moved out to L.A. to live with my brother and, and tried to uh, be a dad really young. Mm-hmm. Um, and tried that whole scene. It's a Wild West out there. Basically took every job or gig you can get to just um, cut my teeth. And I uh, got to experience being in some of the best recording studios in the world and um, get to watch and, and be amongst great uh, musicians and performers. But eventually came back home, found out I really do like the small, simple life. I like being uh, in a smaller pond. Um, I like being around green spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I flew up to Oregon one time when I was living out in California. I just almost cried because everything was so green. I wanted to yeah. come home. Uh, So I was very eager to come home, and I met my wife, and we had a son. Um, I had my daughter when I was 18, so she actually is a uh, California-born. So she's almost 16 now. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
7: So sort of going off of that, what does the music scene here, as you've experienced it, kind of mean to you? You said that you experienced what it was like being up with with all of the best things in LA versus, you know, kind of how things have been changing and evolving here recently. So, yeah. do you have thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I do. Well, I can't say that I'm a, a heart, like a seasoned musician in this arena. I've been honestly hiding in my in my private studio, working up my own songs just for myself. And over the past year, I've really made a point to get out. So for my day job, I'm a photo video storyteller. I work with Steven Ironside, and we have Iron Lotus Creative. And so we make stories for nonprofits and, and businesses with missions. So that's that's what I do during the day. And in the night, I've started to reach out to every Every music venue, every, every time I have an opportunity to go to an open mic or uh, to perform at something special, I, I, I take it. Um, I've had some wonderful invitations as of late. And it's, you know, I, I do hear that there's not the same music scene that there was pre-COVID. And I can totally understand we're having a rewrite of history, you know, like we've got to start a reboot. But mm-hmm. one thing in particular that has been extremely heartening for me is the folk school. Uh, Brian and Bernice Hembry. Mm-hmm. Um, When I first found out that they were given that space, and that's what they were calling it, and that's what they were doing, essentially creating a a free or affordable space for teachers to teach music, uh, I was so elated, even though I knew it was going to be months before I got to do anything there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've started going to every one of their open mics. Uh, I hosted a dad jam there. We're going to host a dad jam every last Saturday of the month. Um, That's just an opportunity to get dads out of isolation mode Mm -hmm. uh, and and come and do what we actually love, which is hanging out, playing music, and talking. That's awesome. For example, like they have uh, a beautiful hammer dulcimer in there. Mm -hmm. And my son, when I asked him, he's six years old. He loves, loves music. I asked him, what instrument could you play if you could play anything? He said, hammer dulcimer and for months I've been looking for a place I've been, I've been good friends with Kelly and Donna where they, they have a hammered dulcimer up on their shelf but it's horribly out of tune so yeah. it's like good finding a good place with a hammered dulcimer and the other day I walk in the folk school there's a hammered dulcimer it's been donated to the space and so I get to bring my son and he gets to sit and play the hammered dulcimer and it's just like having that kind of opportunity that kind of access is, is world changing
7: So where can we find you
3: yeah well this september i'm going to be hosting a program called song for the soul Mm -hmm. and that is essentially using the artistic practice to to grieve and put our uh, stuck creative energy into something like a song um i've been doing that process since i was a kid anytime i had a first song i ever wrote somebody broke my heart So it was the way of getting it out. And so I've realized that every artist that I meet uses their art as a vessel for their own healing. I I got into coaching during COVID when I had an identity crisis like the rest of the world. What am I doing with myself? How can I be of more use? Um, So I started uh, being really honest about the fact that I'm I'm usually taking most conversations to a level of depth where there's a lot of grief. There's a um, a lot of things that we never talk about. And those are actually usually the most interesting conversations. They're the, usually the most potent and full of, of emotional energy. And so as a, as an artist, I've found that the song lines that make me cry are, are the one that when I'm choked up, when I say them out loud, or when I'm writing them down, those are the ones that hit the most. In, in the heart for, for the listener. So that's what I coach, that's what I inspire, uh, I'm inspired by and that's what I try to draw out of people. So this September on uh, Thursday evenings at the folk school, we're gonna be doing Song for the Soul, uh, four week program where we sit around, we, we talk about our losses, our transitions, the challenges that we've faced. we t- face the hard things that we normally don't face. And through that talking, the, the lyrics just pour out. The song ideas just present themselves, and I just uh, reflect back where we can take it, and then try to help craft a song out of it. I'm working with a buddy of mine, Reed Admire, to uh, we've we've actually gotten uh, approved for funding with the uh, Arts and Education Program to to take this program to schools because uh, it's it's basically. It's accessible for anybody that has a creative bug. Anybody that loves music, really. Uh, I've I've written with um, people that have never written a song before that have uh, know that they have a deep love for music, but fear that they don't actually have access to it. And in writing with them, they they realize how accessible it is. And on that level, the the music therapy piece, you know. A music therapist can use music to help someone who has lost the ability to speak, circumnavigate the broken parts of the mind, to actually be able to say words through song. So we can use the same kind of potency in the songwriting format to navigate those mental blocks that have not allowed us to face our process, our grief. Uh, it's, It's incredibly potent to have your story put into a song, then you sing it with your own voice. When you feel it coming up, most of the time I I, I get uh, dads, old men who have who say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm choking up." I was like, "No, you're doing the exact right thing. That's what we're looking Just for." Physically
7: comes out exactly. of
3: you. Exactly, yeah. it, it's been waiting,
7: mm-hmm. waiting
3: for your attention, for you to call it by name. And when you sing it, there's nothing more naked and bare and vulnerable than singing with your own voice.
7: Three Arkansas favorites are set to grace the stage chosen by our panel of judges from over 40 entries. Get ready for performances by Common Roots, a folk ensemble from Fayetteville, Lead Pipe Conservatory Band, a folk pop band from Harrison, and Ethel Tamara, featuring Concrete Rose, an R&B band from Helena West Helena. Join us on Friday, October 13th at 6 p.m. at the Hall in Little Rock for Arkansas Tiny Desk Contest 2023. For tickets, visit LittleRockPublicRadio.org.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. Ho ho ho! Indeed, it's time for KUAF Santa Ryan Versi, our underwriting director, come in and give some stuff away.
8: That is correct, everyone. How are y'all doing? I hope you're doing great because I'm doing great, um, and so is the next person. The name that I'm about to call out, this be- person's going to be doing great as well because they have won two tickets. To the 2023 Hillberry Music Festival that takes place October 4th through 8th at the farm in Eureka Springs. Awesome. All sorts of performances and you can... Super long list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go check out that lineup. It is, it's 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 quite a list. So um, right. it it's going to be pretty interesting. Let's put it that way. Who is going for free? So congratulations to... Rebecca Keys Lyles, you are the winner. How about that? All right. And you'll be in contact, and they're going to go to Hillberry. They will receive an email, um, and then I'll let you know how to claim your prize. And then uh, next Friday,
0: we're going to give away some tickets to the Eureka Springs, the 76th annual.
8: The 76th annual.
0: Original Ozark Folk Festival in Eureka Springs.
8: Which is the longest running in the nation that, that is, I recently learned. That's pretty That awesome. is correct. Yeah. So if you're not entering these giveaways, yeah. you should be entering these giveaways. How do you enter them? So you go to KUAF.com, mm-hmm. scroll down just a tad, you'll see a bu- a blue, purplish button that says giveaways. Click that. Or at the top, at the little bar across the top, click connect, scroll down a little bit, it's a little drop down, menu. at the very bottom you'll see enter a giveaway. Click mm-hmm. that. All right. Ryan
0: Versi, KUAF's underwriting director. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It is the final Friday in September, and it is time to talk with Courtney Lanning about a new movie. Courtney, welcome back to Ozarks at Large.
6: Kyle, thanks for having me. All right. This week, you reviewed
0: The Creator, which is a title I was familiar with, but I didn't know anything else about the movie. What can you tell us?
6: This is a new film, new sci-fi blockbuster from the director of Star Wars, a Rogue One story, um, which... I think is the best Star Wars movie, you know, aside from Empire. Mm -hmm. Um, This is set uh, a few decades in the future where mankind has invented true artificial intelligence, not just a chatbot that steals creative property from people on the Internet, um, but actual robotic machines that can think and walk around. And Los Angeles gets nuked and humanity blames the artificial intelligence and begins a war against them. Oh. The movie is set uh, in, I guess, the only part of the world that embraces AI is the continent of Asia and, and surrounding islands. They become a country called New Asia, and they welcome and live with and continue building AI. Um, and so America goes to war with them to eliminate AI. And this is about a guy who has to protect a AI child that is made, and of course... This is, you know, you've seen before, tough guy has to protect the, the little child, and people want to kill the child, and he's got a saver, and, you know, it's things you've seen before in other places.
0: Well, what strikes me, Courtney, in your description there, in about a minute, 15 seconds, you laid out a lot of world building and understanding, plus, you know, so big plot points, small plot points. It sounds like a lot for a roughly two-hour movie to get across to us in in an entertaining and competent way.
6: Is it successful? You know, the movie had all this hype going into it. Um, we don't get enough sci-fi blockbusters. We get one or two a year. Um, Dune 2 was supposed to be the the biggest one this year, and of course it got delayed because actors strike and writer strike so with that delay that really opened up the slot for the creator to be this juggernaut of a sci-fi blockbuster that everybody went in with with high expectations and it's it's fine you know i think i'm i'm a little disappointed but i think that's mostly because i had set set my expectations so high for this movie you know i, I was expecting this really deep commentary and a uh, philosophical meanings of what do we qualify as life is it capable for mankind to create life? What do we mean by alive? When is something dead? All of these questions and and the movie just wasn't really interested in in having that chat.
0: Okay, so if it doesn't quite go as deep as we'd like, does it look cool?
6: It looks great. Uh, The best thing I can say about the movie is it's visually dazzling. Um, And there are so many cool things that The movie just doesn't take time to explore which is part of why i'm so disappointed a lot of the movie is set in new asia you know and you get snippets of i'm assuming what is supposed to be parts of vietnam and you've got this rural farmland and you have robot farmers out working the fields and you have ai buddhist monks that walk around with robes and and they bury their dead robot buddies and The concept of a robot that believes in a higher power is something that you could make an entire movie on itself, but we just give brief snippets of here, and and while it's visually dazzling, the world doesn't have the writing to match it, to, to really keep pace.
0: It just sounds like another one of these concepts that, wow, if it had been 10 or 11 episodes on a streaming service, it might have been really good.
6: Yeah, absolutely yeah you know, the movie is very much a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and and it shows. It, um, but you know this this the creator is basically everything we've seen before in other robot movies, you know, like iRobot or Blade Runner and and I, I hate to say Blade Runner did this movie better, but it did. <laughs> and they they didn't have near the right. technology, you know, at the time to to do what this movie does visually. Um, so, so go see it. Just maybe taper your expectations a little bit. And, and I guess for all you hardcore sci-fi fans, look forward to Rebel Moon. There you go.
0: There you go. All right. So that's the movie, The Creator. What is the movie set for next week?
6: Next week, you and I will talk about The Burial, which is a new legal thriller with Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones.
0: Oh, wow. Makes me think it's 1998 all over again. Tommy Lee Jones and <laughs> Jamie Foxx. I love it.
6: here's hoping it'll be something great all right Courtney as always a pleasure to talk with you thanks for having me Kyle on the latest episode of Points of Departure tackling capitalism could you imagine Columbus
0: sailing not to try to gain riches but just to see what there is out there then the encounter wouldn't have been to enslave people when he got there but to like learn from them
4: How Capitalism Shapes Our Mind, Our World, and Our Future. That's on the next Points of Departure. Listen with your podcast app or at KUAF.com.
0: This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Van Buren, and Bethel Heights. We are a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of of Arkansas. Contributors to our program this Friday afternoon included Daniel Caruth, Matthew Moore, Sophie Noorani, Michael Tilley, Courtney Lanning, and additional reporting today provided by the news staff at Little Rock Public Radio. A reminder, Monday 7 p.m. Ozarks at Large joins the Central Arkansas Public Airwaves. You'll be able to hear us on KUAR every Monday through Friday night at 7 p.m. And you're able to hear us at all because of listener support from listeners just like you. Thanks, David and Deborah Malone, for making challenges during Ozarks at Large all week to encourage listeners like you to contribute to your public radio station. Ozarks at Large and KUAF have been here to bring people together through the unique bond of public radio, inspiring Northwest Arkansas, the Arkansas River Valley, eastern Oklahoma, southern Missouri, and soon central Arkansas, exposing them, inspiring them with a world of diverse art and culture, offering an exceptional community focus driven by our commitment to meet the information needs of listeners. You can contribute and support this mission we have at supportkuaf.com because the mission of KUAF's independent reporting is to serve you, not advertisers not shareholders, not the bottom line. This station you know and trust is always relevant to the moment, to our community, and to listeners, wherever they may be. We have always relied on your support for the great majority of our funding, and in what has become over the last few years a new normal, our reliance on your generous support greater than ever. That's why your contribution Your financial donation to your public radio station right now, so very important. You can support us at supportkuaf.com and contribute today. I'll be back with you, Matthew Moore, and I will be with you from 4 until 7 this afternoon to wrap up this annual on-air fundraiser. And then I'll be back with you tonight at 7 for the evening edition of Ozarks at Large, and then again Sunday morning at 9 for weekend Ozarks at Large, and then back Monday to start a brand new week of daily editions of our show. Thanks so much. I'm Kyle Kellums. Please be well.
7: Support for KUAF comes from the Clinton School of Public Service at the University of Arkansas. The NPS degree is an action-oriented program focused on preparing students for the tough work of on-the-ground change. The Clinton School is expanding its range of merit based scholarships and cost of living stipends to enrolling students for fall 2024. More at clintonschool.uasys.edu.